Hello, everybody, and welcome to Real Classy, the podcast where we talk about old black and white movies with friends and stuff like that. Today, my guest is a very special guest, good friend of mine, Benjamin Charles Chase. Hello. Hello, Ben. Hello, Chris. And Ben has suggested the 1955 black and white film, The Night of the Hunter, starring some people. Anyway, so Ben, while I look up who it's starring, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are? Well, hello, Chris. My name is Benjamin Charles Chase. I am a photographer and a filmmaker in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I am a freelancer as well. Uh, uh, and I have a vast interest in uh, art films and classics and film in general. Yes. Ben is a very artistic gentleman. Uh, Night of the Hunter stars Robert Mitchum, Lillian Gish, and Shelley Winter? Winters. And some little kids. Uh, so, Ben, why? Uh, first of all, thank you so much for being oh, yeah. on the show. Uh, this is actually a long time coming. Uh, Absolutely. Ben and I watched a different movie over a year ago called uh, Eraserhead. Um, Indeed. And, you know, I just kind of didn't really want to do that one on the podcast, basically. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. It's an interesting Although movie. the funny thing is, we actually did have a really great conversation about it right after we yeah. watched it. <laughs> we, can, we can get into that, that a podcast. little bit for any, uh, any Eraserhead fans out there. But the film that we did watch was Night of the Hunter. And so, Ben, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your connection to this film and why you suggested it. But yes, uh, I'm a big fan of a collection of movies called the Criterion Collection. Mm. And the Criterion Collection is a uh, releasing company that releases classics, cult films, um, and some newer films too. But they, they release them as works of art. So the, the packaging and their menus uh, on the discs and everything are always like presented in a really... Uh, high art fashion um, that presents the movie as a piece of art and not just some flick you pick up in a, mm -hmm. in a DVD bin. Mm -hmm. um, so as a follower of, the, of uh, and a collector of Criterion Collection films, uh, I, I tend to watch a lot of them, and they released this this film a couple years ago. Uh, and what attracted me about it was, um, was how uh, singular it was. It was the director's only film that he ever did. He was actually oh. known for being an actor. Um, and how moody it was. I, I think for 1955, it's it's indie film wasn't a thing, right? You mm -hmm. had you mm -hmm. had to be part of like a studio system to, right. to make pictures. Um, not until like the 60s you started seeing like more independent pictures being made. Um, not that this wasn't an, wasn't wasn't an independent picture. It, it it was a studio film. Um, but it was so standalone, and uh, the studio really let the director, um. Charles Loughton do what he wanted to do um, stylistically, and he borrowed a lot from uh, German expressionist uh, styles. Um, so that's what attracted me to want, want to watch it in the first place. Um, and I also love really thematic movies, you know, something that a story stands for this or this stands for that, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what really attracted me about it and uh, ended up really enjoying it. And I've seen it several times so far. Yeah, yeah, great. Yes, it was a very interesting uh, movie, in my opinion. I was honestly a little bit worried at first, 
because of the subject matter. I wasn't really sure where it was leaning, but I was pleasantly surprised uh, when it uh, when it came down to it. So wh- why don't you go ahead and describe to us uh, kind of a basic summary of the movie, just in case anyone's forgotten. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, Robert Mitchum plays a uh, plays a, a wandering priest, a traveling priest named Harry Powell, um, and uh, but his insidiousness comes when he uh, uh, he thinks he hears from the Lord um, directions to go around and marry widows or single women for their money, collect their money, and then murder them. Oh. So he can continue his mission for God. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that that was his actual. I thought he was just killing women. Yeah. No. 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 He's like, actually marrying. He's them marrying first. them to get their money. Interesting. Um, that's the only reason, just for the money, not mm-hmm. just for killing, <laughs> right? Um, so he can get, continue his um, his preaching mission. Yes. Um, and uh, so Robert Mitchum plays this this character uh, who this traveling minister who marries women and collects her money and, and he's finally caught. And then we cut to a story of a guy who had just killed two people and robbed a bank and he takes the money and he, and he hides it with his children. And these two people end up being uh, cellmates and uh, 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 Harry Powell, the minister uh, finds out from this other character uh, that he had stolen $10,000 and his family still has it. So he gets out of prison and he goes and finds his family and uh, sways the widow to uh, to marry him. Mm-hmm. And he proceeds to terrorize uh, the family um, in a very kind of cruel and, uh, uh, you know, head of the household man kind yeah. of way. Yeah. Um, to pressure the children to tell him where the money is, and he ends up killing, killing his that that lady as well, and goes after the children. And for probably a good half hour, end of the movie, it turns into a kind of cat and mouse game where he's after these children, and they're being pursued by this madman. Yeah, I think she actually is killed like probably around the halfway mark, and so I was actually really surprised at like, I don't know, it, it's one of those things where it's like she dies, and I'm thinking like. Oh, how much of this movie is just going to be him chasing <laughs> right. the kids? But there's actually a lot. There's actually a lot that happens in the last half hour of the movie, yeah. which I thought was really interesting because basically the first couple of, or the first hour is almost almost like a thriller, or a horror movie. Mm. Like you're really there's a lot of suspense and you're really worried about these kids. And then in the last half hour, uh, they meet Miss Hooper. Uh, who is like this? Is it Hooper or Cooper? Is it Chelsea or Kelsey? They meet Miss Hooper, who's like a really sweet, like good Samaritan who takes in sort of stray kids and just raises them as her own. And she really kind of becomes the hero of the story because she's the one who protects them from the preacher when he comes to get them. And uh, and she also it's interesting to me because. She the movie actually starts with a shot of her telling the children uh basically a Bible story about not trusting false prophets. And it didn't dawn on me till later on that that was sort of the whole crux of the movie was mm. that this preacher is a false prophet 
who deceives these women and uh, certainly deceived the wife, the uh, the mom, to the point where she is repenting in front of in front of her whole uh, congregation and saying that she drove her husband to murder these people right. by wanting yeah, face paints yeah. and perfumes. And she was being and pressured stuff. and swayed by yeah, her, her yeah. new preacher husband, and he was he was shaming her. You know, she she wanted to uh, lay with him on their wedding night, and he you know rebuked her and told her that. That's for making babies and, and, you know, nothing else. And so he had a lot of hangups about sex. You know, yeah, he was, yeah. he seemed to target, he's like going to burlesque shows and yeah. I guess thinking oh, about he, killing he, women. Complete misogynist. And, yeah. I mean, I, well, but that's I the don't thing. think that is was he, a subtle thing. Like, is he actually like, like. I think he has a subtle hatred of women. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But is he, is he, I think he's just killing women, right? He's not yeah. like. Using them in a physical manner. No, no, yeah. yeah. It's just it's just murder and money. He literally, like, hates uh, sex and hates But it's hates funny that, it, that because he's misogynist, like, the person that eventually, like, beats him in the end is a woman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, yeah. she, she, he gets shot in the end and arrested by, by, like, by a woman. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Yeah. yeah. It, really, it really is a good... Because you... It, his character is so, like, creepy... And evil, yeah. and like really evil, like just a kind of a portrayal of a character where it's like every time he gets like caught doing something bad or something like that, there's sort of a like a shot of his face where he gives like sort of just an evil little smile as right. though he's like, oh, hello, like acting like nothing's wrong here, like right. which is just a weird like. He has almost a trusting face. Like, you kind of get why people would be fooled by him. Because um, he looks yeah. like a nice guy. But yeah. he he's just... Ugh, everything about him is just the worst. Yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, his character is very interesting. I, I think my favorite um, part of it, and I think <laughs> maybe one of my favorite character traits in almost any movie, uh, is the, on one hand, he has the words hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, tattooed on his knuckles and on the other hand he has the da- the words uh, the word love tattooed on his knuckles and he has this whole biblical tale about love and hate and how he and he acts it out with his hands yeah having having the forth. love hand overpower yeah. the hate hand and this left hand hate struck down cain etc etc and yeah it's uh which is I, also an interesting parallel because that sort of is the message of of Miss Hooper, yeah. in the end, she is this super forgiving, super loving. Right. I mean, like character. I like I said at the top of the of the podcast here, um, real classy, the, real top of the podcast, <laughs> real classy. <laughs> it's so thematically heavy this movie, mm-hmm. and I and like I was like I said when I came here actually this this is the first this is maybe the fifth time I've seen this movie, and man, it really it really struck me this time. Um, I've really noticed it a lot more uh, this time around. Maybe because I was watching a little bit deeper, but right, like you said, the left hand and right hand, and that's ends up being the story of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, also, that's kind of this good and evil thing. Um, like, uh, there's a lot of biblical themes in it. Uh, yeah, not just the hands, right? But like the fact that the children get on a raft get caught in the weeds and mm-hmm. are saved. Yeah. 
And then later on, that lady tells them the story of Moses. Yeah. How he was sent down river, caught in weeds. Which and saved. she uh, she amends the story. Right. To where there's two Moseses. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. thought it was kind of cute. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was like, oh, wait. Yeah. She meant them, but she also meant the story of Moses. Yeah. Like, I found that fascinating. And it's um, it's it speaks a lot to her character that that's sort of constantly she's teaching and she's using she's using biblical principles to teach these kids how to be better people and how to right. live better lives whereas the preacher is basically just using these biblical principles to manipulate and to shame yeah. and to get his own way and things and yeah yeah she's almost like this shepherd i dare say christ-like figure yeah exactly um yeah. who's at the end, at the end, at the climax of the movie, is fighting off, quote unquote, the devil. Yeah, this man, yeah. this evil man who dresses him, you guessed it, black, mm. right? Oh, who has <laughs> right? Who has a message of love and hate, yeah. and is trying to to win them, but his ultimate goal is to kill you. Right? Yeah, if that's not, you think uh, he was going to kill the kids? I assume he was probably yeah, kill absolutely. The kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think that was his goal, but. But I think he just got angry yeah. at them eventually. Boy, you just... And what's so kind of scary about it, and this is <laughs> something that I... So, when I was watching this movie, uh, it wasn't until he kills the farmer to steal his horse yeah. so that he can go after the kids in the boat. And at that point, I thought, hey, wait, when does this movie actually take place? Because... <laughs> I don't see a lot of travel on horses, you know, in the 1950s. Like It actually, um, <laughs> and again, I noticed something else today. Um, I've never actually really done a lot of research in the background of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nor have I. I really, yeah. <laughs> we don't prepare for this podcast. I've never researched <laughs> a movie for real classic. <laughs> <laughs> this movie takes place during the, um, the Depression. Oh, okay. Because when the kids come up, the kids are on the run that makes and they're sense. hungry. Yeah. They come up to this farm and this lady is like scurrying off these like ratty children. Handing she's like, get out of here, children. Yeah. And then she's like, um, she's like, I can only afford to give you a potato each. So she gives them potatoes. And um, she mumbles something about, oh, this, this depression. Okay. And I was like, yeah. oh, right. I just thought Got she was it. talking about her emotional state. Yeah. So it was the, what, the 30s? It was yeah. the Depression, yeah. I don't know. I'm real yeah. dumb. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Whenever the Depression was. Yeah. <laughs> I My favorite thing that I've done on this podcast is forget when World War II happened. Um, I want to say the 60s? <laughs> yeah, somewhere around there. But, um, so the kids, we haven't really talked a whole lot about them. They are, I guess, the main character. Like John, it's John, right? He's yeah. he's the main character. Yeah, basically. John and Pearl. Yeah, John and Pearl. Yeah, and uh, so these kids, first of all, couple notes, super chill about their parents' deaths. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, their dad gets hung, which I guess they saw that coming. But when their mom is murdered, Pearl just kind of says like, "She's dead, isn't she?" And John's like, <laughs> "Yeah, I think so." Like, <laughs> you'd think they'd be more upset. I get that they're yeah. also like they're, they're living is, with a monster. I mean, that kind of that kind of leads to another subject um, that it kind of goes for all movies, not just this movie, but any movie that's ever been a cult classic, 
which this essentially is like mm. when it came out, it was not a success at all. Hmm. Um, financially uh, yeah. or, or, uh, reviews. Um, but later on it's been deemed a classic and several large directors, Martin Scorsese, David Lynch have cited it as one of their favorite films. Hmm. But that being said, any, many movie out there that's ever been deemed a classic or like later on become a cult classic, um, they're never perfect. Right. I've noticed like yeah. just in general, like classic film or not classic films, but cult cult hits in particular are never like a perfect movie. Like, man, they, the craft on that was great. There's always like one or two things. that was like, that kind of sucked. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that, that the kids being, you know, having, Oh no. Right. Yeah. Attitude. But I'm just saying like, there's, there's definitely like hiccups in mm-hmm. movies mm-hmm. that are like later become oh, cult yeah, classics. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe like, the CGI in some movie didn't didn't look so great, but whatever the story was, oh <laughs> yeah, the best. It's uh, that's that's one thing that was interesting about the the so there's a scene when they're going down the river and they stop and they hear someone singing in a house and they go and sleep in that barn. Is that house supposed to be Miss Hooper's house or is that somewhere else along the river? That is somewhere else along the river. Okay, good. Yeah, because that was an interesting like. It very like this is in a studio and these are just two big pieces of cardboard kind yeah, of thing. They, they definitely were. But that, that's an interesting thing about that shot is that that is a style of um, that's a German expressionist style. Hmm. So you look at 1920s, and 1930s German expressionist films. They do that. They'll do like shadow things or like yeah. shadow boxes and make things look weird. and. Big. It looked really cool. It looked very cool. Like yeah. the way the angles on, yeah. the, on the buildings were. And then when they're in the barn, I read this on the on the trivia and they see um, the preacher coming along the horizon. Yeah. Apparently, that was actually a little person on a pony right. <laughs> being used for force perspective, which is cool. Yeah. I it may be kind of insensitive, but it's always <laughs> neat to me when I hear how they True. used old like when they when they use little people in old movies. Right, <laughs> I think it's happened several times in movies we talked about where they used that to make it look like there was someone far right. away. Like, just a neat little special effect that they did. Whoever's listening to this podcast, just know there's always room for little people in the film industry. Lord of the Rings. Oh, is that still done today? Lord of the Rings. Little people. I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, they use, like, like, um, little people for forced perspective shots for hobbits, yeah. And for, like, probably, like, normal people, too, because there's, I know there's Yeah, that that as well. Exactly. Exactly. That's always cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, I mean, it's interesting bringing that up because, uh... It's a very unique film uh, to be in America um, because it was shot in a German Expressionist style. German Expressionism was this era of filmmaking in the 30s in Germany particularly, uh, especially during the silent era, where they were experimenting um, with in-camera effects and animation right on the celluloid of the film. Mm-hmm. Um I'm sure a lot of people who are maybe listening know know the image of a rocket stuck in a moon's eye, mm-hmm. right? That's yeah. a German expressionist film. Yeah. Actually, like these are really out there films for the nineteen twenties and thirties, right? These are really interesting things. But that style is never really done in America because like, well, we could just build a whole actual house in the right, studio right. and or go shoot it outside. Like yeah. whatever. Like we gotta, you know. Um and American films were never a place for like art <laughs> right right um it was always just like oh we can like put plays and film and make money <laughs> mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. um so that's that's another thing that makes this this film so unique uh because it's an american film but it it uses this this style that was um 
I think not really used um, in other films at that time, shadows and forced perspective and, you know, big houses that are obviously props, but they're filmed in a way where it's uh, supposed to look like a shadow, right? And it's it's just interesting. Yeah. No, it was really cool. Like, a lot of that stuff is really cool. Um, for example, the the shot of the mom's body underwater. Yeah. Like... Yeah. That was a very now a very kind of disturbing image, right? Like really to see the hair flowing in the in the breeze of the water, and then the fisherman looking over and seeing her down there. Uh, yeah, it's like very haunting imagery, um, which is always cool. Yeah. Well, the image we're the image we're describing for those listening, uh, there's a shot from above the water. Well, there's a shot underwater of this this dead lady in a car. Yeah. Um, there's also an above out of water shot over a boat down into the water and you can see down in the water you can see this body yeah, down inside yeah. the water which is yeah like how do you like that like obviously it was done in a studio but right yeah um, but it was I've never seen with, like that before I'm that assuming time. I I think the actual now I know a lot of the river stuff was must have been shot in a studio as well yeah the river stuff um, um they did shoot on a they shot in studio and on a on a back lot ranch oh okay um, cool in I think San Fernando Valley. It doesn't exist anymore. I looked it up. But oh, I wish <laughs> yeah. I could go there. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> no, it's really cool. Um I was gonna say something about the kids a while ago, but now I can't remember what it was. Um but the um oh I know. The kind of I guess along the lines of like the biblical principles and stuff. So the son is he makes a he swears to his father that he's gonna protect this money. Um and it's interesting because so many times in the movie you think like, oh, if he would just give the preacher this money, wouldn't this problem go away? Like even after his mom is killed and he himself is about to be killed, basically, right. like the preacher's about to kill him, which would leave his sister alone with the preacher. So it's like, what is the point of you trying to protect this money at this point? Right. But it's, I think it's all just because he swore to his father that he would do this. And yeah, yeah, exactly. at all costs, he's he's wanting to keep that promise, which yeah. is interesting and also kind of frustrating. But that, I guess, is sort of the whole point of the movie. Like, you wouldn't have a movie if he just gave him the money right away. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, even his reaction, like, I forget at what point in the movie, but he finds his sister cutting up the money and making like little paper little dolls, paper dolls yeah. out of it and his reaction is like oh like let's just put this away real quick not yeah. like you've cut up a thousand dollars in cash like it was just like oh no and what she said preacher's is, gonna see it i did a sin like that's how she talks about stuff because right. it's all that whole backdrop of the religion being which is interesting it's the it's you know prevalent in every character basically yeah but you don't realize until the end, which I'm jumping forward. But you know, yeah. if you if you're listening to this, you've probably already seen the movie, uh, hopefully. But um, at the end, you have this angry mob that is you know calling to lynch the preacher for what right. he's done, and all the while you have Miss Hooper. I really hope it's Hooper and not Cooper because I'm going to sound like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but you have her. With the kids trying to scurry them away from the violence and the anger. Uh, oh, it's it's Cooper. It's Cooper, everybody. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. Cooper. You have her 
trying to get the kids away from this violence. So it just shows, I, I just thought it was a really interesting scene where you have all these people who, you know, profess to be loving Christians and they are calling for blood. And the, the very people who would have the most right to be doing that are trying to get away from this as soon as possible and, and not be witness to this, uh, to this horrible violence basically, which is just, I don't know, another thing that speaks to her character and speaks to, I guess, kind of the core message of the movie, which is sort of be, be a good person. (laughs) Yeah. Don't, uh, you know, don't uh, use like religion as an excuse to murder people. I don't know if that's, uh, yeah, (laughs) that's really it. Yeah. Oh yeah. So an interesting thing about the period of the movie, uh, Apparently, in the Depression, you could kind of just take kids. <laughs> like Right. There was wandering bands of children. And and when uh you know when the mom dies, the preacher which I guess he was her husband legally. Right. But he just well, I'm gonna stay and take care of those kids. It's like nobody finds that suspicious <laughs> that he's known these kids for a week and now he's supposed to be their sole guardian the thing the thing i love the most i mean a lot of things i love the most about watching old movies but the thing i always find fascinating the most is like old-fashioned ways of uh courtship and marriage like mm-hmm. well we just had a conversation down by the river and then we got married oh, yeah. <laughs> like Man, what? I sure do wish it was like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? Just one conversation. Was like, well, you're single, and uh, I'm a wandering preacher. Might as well just get married. Well, she needed a husband. Right. He was a man of God who supposedly knew her husband. And right. Weird. It was yeah. Weird. And everyone was super cool with it. Yeah. Like, everyone's oh, yeah, like, you need to together. marry that preacher right yeah. away. Like, you're like, oh, maybe this is a little quick. You don't even know him. <laughs> um, like, no, it's just. Let's just get married. I know I'm kind of jumping around here. Just one funny thing, I thought. When the kids first get in the boat and they start going down the river. Yeah. And then he ju- he jumps in the water to chase them. And they're like six feet away. And he's like... <laughs> I'll never catch them! <laughs> like, literally. <laughs> Dude, they're not... They're like barely moving. Yeah. <laughs> he could have swam for six feet. Maybe he can't swim. Uh, I don't know. And then Traveling another <laughs> another funny thing. Ruby, is it Ruby? I believe it's Ruby. Ruby. Is uh the character who who um so she she I guess has a has a habit of sneaking off when she's supposed to be going to sewing lessons. Oh. Meeting up with boys at the drugstore. Right. And presumably like doing stuff with them, right? Or is it just eating ice cream with boys at the drugstore? I'm not clear. This kind of comes back to my fascination with old movies and like old fashioned things in them. Like, I really do think it was probably just, just eating, eating, eating ice cream and having them and tell I, her she's pretty. Yeah, like, the, yeah. Like, yeah, it was probably scandalous. Like, absolutely. I just love that she says. I was at the drugstore. The drugstore? <laughs> like, <laughs> the den of sin. Right. <laughs> the drugstore. <laughs> and there's, like, a shot of her walking up to it and, like, the big sign that says, drugs. Like, this is just where the bad stuff is happening. And we that's were like, cool kids hanging out by the brick wall. Yeah. 
Oh, and hollering at and, the ladies. And yeah, and saying, like, how about Thursday? Like, and she's like, oh, yeah, so of course. Yeah. I can't wait. That's such an interesting character because she was to- so taken in by the preacher when he eventually comes into yeah. town. Yeah. He was just like, aren't you pretty? And she's like, oh, my. And then infatuated him. The rest, he's and, trying to kill them. And she's like, but preacher. Yeah. <laughs> and when they're going to hang him, right. she's like standing up for him and saying, I loved him. <laughs> It's just weird because that's a you know that's a character that we don't f- meet until super late right. in the movie, and uh, it just has that, a weird I mean, arc. That, I mean, amongst many points, that also is kind of another point of uh, cult films like not being there being hiccups. Yeah, it's just like oh, that was kind of a clunky character. Well, but it's something that you like. I don't mind it. It it adds oh, some. Oh, it was funny and it worked. Like yeah, yeah it just was like oh, it, it may not have, have been not exactly what they movie. intended, but right. yeah, it's it was fun. Yeah, yeah, that definitely would have probably made it into anything else, but um, but it was interesting. Uh, let's talk more about the, the character, uh, the preacher. Mm, yeah. Um, as far as being like a false prophet and everything, like what do you think he he uh. Why do you think he started doing what he what he doing what he did, traveling and marrying and stealing money and preaching? It's interesting. So we it starts out with we see him in a car talking to God, and I didn't get it at first. He said he says something like, "What do you think, God? Another woman? Uh, it's right. been six already." And I thought he was just talking about like, you know, yeah. going and and getting with women or something, right? For some reason that that was something God wanted him to do. But I didn't realize that that was him saying like, oh, I've killed all these women. So he's, he's obviously very disturbed. Yeah. And believes that God is directing him. And you know that it's not just fake because he's, we see him alone talking to God about this stuff. We know that he actually believes God is directing him to kill people. Um, yeah, he's got a really he- like a hard, like a heavy moral compass of right and wrong. We see the knife pop out of his pocket when he's watching the burlesque show, right? And he he like looks he looks around and he's like, God, I can't, I can't kill the world. There's too many people here, you know? Right? Yeah. I mean, I think like like I said, he was he's kind of misogynist as well. Um, part of me thinks like something in him snapped. Maybe he was a good a good preacher Mm. and a woman did him wrong or it being in the depression. Maybe he was, uh, um, maybe he lost his land or he lost his house or something because of a woman or a woman did him wrong. Yeah. And he took to preaching and, um, stealing money from widows and, and murdering, murdering them out of, uh, out of sheer rage. I mean, there was, there was kind of a rash of suicides during the depression. Like mm. people who lost everything committed suicide. Um, so it was kind of a unique time in American history. Um, uh, Cause you saw, saw that kind of thing. And I think maybe, maybe the subtext of this character, he, he was pressured um, because of the time of the depression. Mm. Right. So he was doing it for financial gain, but he also had this misogyny, he had this hatred and anger towards women and this heavy moral compass because someone did him wrong and um, he was just going to take it out on all of them. 
Interesting. I hadn't really thought that deeply yeah. into his character. It was I was too distracted by how creepy and haunting and evil he was. Yeah. The his uh his trademark um uh what what's the what's the hymn that he sings? Oh, um, leaning, bringing, uh, uh, leaning on the everlasting leaning arms. on the everlasting arms. Yeah, which he sings several times. That's how he yeah. kind of announces. I'll never himself. listen to that song ever the same way ever again. Oh, it's man. the way he sings it, it's terrifying. Yeah, you just hear out of the darkness, leaning, just walking out of the night, leaning, while which, he's holding a knife. Which like, also what? is like <laughs> he's not trying to sneak up. He wants people to know. Oh right, he's, he's sitting there. on the front, like in the front yeah. lawn, just singing, like holding his knife, like. And the knife is a very interesting character as well, because uh, it comes out, you know, when he's... Okay, a couple funny things about the knife. When the wife uh, finds it in his pocket after on their wedding night, she just looks at it and kind of smiles and goes, men, and then puts it back in his pocket. <laughs> like, not that it's weird to have a knife right. or anything, yeah. but just... I love her just kind of comical, like, oh, that man with his knife. Um, and then spring-loaded knife. It's all fine. When he, when he's leaving the drugstore after, you know, his date yeah. with Ruby, she runs up and says something about, like, oh, I'm so beautiful or something. Right. And he, uh, and he just starts taking the knife out right there as though he's just going to murder her in front of everybody there. Right. At the drugstore. He's just, uh, yeah, he's just very, very quick to, quick to anger with this knife. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, he's like you said, he's all dressed in black. Does he wear a cowboy hat, or is that like a preacher's hat? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a flat, it's a flat built hat. It's not a cowboy hat. It's oh, like yeah. a, just a generic hat. But you know, yeah, black hat. Right. It's bad guy. Wait, did Miss Cooper ever wear a hat? Was she wearing a white hat? Because you know, you know the old white hat, black hat thing, right? Uh, no. I don't know if you know this. This is an interesting fact about old movies. Uh, in cowboy movies, no, oh, there would be a bad white, guy right. who would wear a black hat, and there would be a good hat. guy who would wear a white hat, and that's how you knew who was who. She did dress in lighter colors, though. Yeah. She yeah. usually would. Love Miss Cooper. Great contrast to Preacher's character when they... Have their duet. Right. That's a really interesting scene. Yeah. He's singing Leaning on the Everlasting Arms and she joins in. Right. While they're in their kind of their standoff, she's sitting on the porch with a shotgun. Yeah. And he's in the front front yard with his knife. It's and he's just kinda of waiting for her to fall asleep or it's something. It's sort of like, what is that meaning? I'm not sure. That that part where they start singing together. It was it was just right. an interest Oh. Well, I think it shows both their faith. Like he's a <clears throat> he's a man of God and she's a woman of God. Right. Um, but it's obviously he's yeah. uh, he's a murderer, yeah, he's very, right? And very she's misguided. she's she's out to save and he's out to destroy. Mm. I think that's really interesting. And she's sort protecting them, showing that parallel. from this evil, yeah, yeah. I love right? It. Who just like quite literally right outside the door. Also, as far as songs, the song that Pearl sings when they're on the river, yeah, is like super creepy. Oh, but like it's really beautiful. It's dreamy like, though, right? Yeah, that whole sequence was like it, it made was me so artistic. It and, made me start to think like, oh, I see what's happening. 
he murdered these kids and now we're seeing them in the afterlife. Like that's right. what's happening now or something. Yeah. Cause that, I guess that is when it starts to get all kind of German, uh, expression. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's very interesting. I, 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 if you wanted to take it to, to, if you wanted to take the, the, um, interpretation of this movie to the extreme, which we will bear with us. The beginning of the movie, the very beginning, like when the credits are rolling, there's a song playing and I forget the lyrics exactly, but it's something about dreams, mm. something in dreams, like I'll see you in my dreams or in, only in my dreams, not like hope for a better future dreams, but like right. sleeping dreams. And the whole movie is very dreamlike. Yeah. Right. It's very absurd. And there's like these weird light lighting situations, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, 1955. They're not making a movie that's that super deep. Um, it was obviously just a just a morality tale, if you will. Um, but like something about that, I was like, man, maybe this whole thing was like a weird dream. Mm-hmm. But whose dream? Right. Yeah. You're always curious about that kind of thing, right? Like, yeah, is this is this really happening? Which, I yeah, mean, no, it's a movie, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, me being me being a big fan of the director David Lynch, um, it's kind of forced me to not just not just when I'm watching his films, but when I'm watching uh, films in general. There's always like a little piece of me, um, simply because of my fanhood with him. It always leads me to wonder if uh, it's somehow a dream, or there's something working underneath underneath it all. Yeah. Right, because in David Lynch's films, it's you're watching a scene, and it's maybe just a normal scene where two characters are talking. But there's always this gut feeling of what's going on in the background, not the physical background, but like what's the subtext of this whole thing, and it feels weird. It feels dreamlike. Yeah, like um, in a uh, Blue Velvet, like right when at the end of the movie, I was like, "Is this really?" Is this really happening? ending or is did he like right. die or something? I'm always thinking they died and this right. is their afterlife. But that's that's what makes it David Lynch so great. He makes you feel that without doing much. Like right. he has this way of like making you like question what you're what you're really seeing, yeah. which is a unique talent. Um so that being said, me being a fan of him, I always watch movies. Um and especially this movie, he's talked about it before uh, in interviews. He cited it as one of his favorite films. It always makes me wonder, I'm like, what's going on in the subtext of this is yeah. what's you know anyway that's that's why in the, i guess in the grand scheme of this whole podcast i love movies with with uh, um that are metaphors because there's just multiple ways to approach them and right. interpret them and you can watch them over you're, and over and get a lot out of it you're sort of active in the storytelling process like you you right. talked about how you kind of created a backstory for the preacher like you you get to experience a little bit more of it and get closer to right. it by yeah kind of coming up with your own yeah because i feel like such a strong character i'm like someone's got he's got a backstory yeah. like you know mm-hmm. the writer probably and it is based on a novel like sat down and like was oh really like, it's yeah, based on a novel. it is based on a novel. this movie is based on a novel <laughs> that's the level that? of research i do folks yeah <laughs> here on real classy the podcast yeah um, tuesdays at eight <laughs> or whenever on tbs uh, just such a strong character is obviously going to have a story, you know, whether yeah. we see it on screen or not. Like, you know, the writer sat down and thought it out or wrote it out at least. Same um, thing with uh, Cooper. Like, yeah. you know, that stuff happened. To, doesn't she talk about 
having a son or something yeah that died yeah like she she had i think she had like resided herself to helping children in this depression because she had a family and they died because of hunger or starvation yeah that's why she's such a steely woman who's just like well i have two more children now they just came up on the river yeah like that's the way it's gonna be that's what the lord gave me right Uh, yeah who does that (laughs) she's just the best yeah (laughs) it's really it's it's such a relief. Which why I, which I why I think kind of bringing up a thing I said earlier is yeah. uh, why she's like a Christ like character. Yeah, she just took them in without question. Right. right? Yeah. Which is like insane. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it, it's a very like, it's just such a relief when you finally see her because now finally someone cares for these right. kids who's who's not like putting them in harm's way <laughs> or constantly. has ulterior like, motives for yeah. them. Right. Like I mean. Yeah, the mom, <clears throat> the mom of these kids is just so taken in by the preacher, and that was what was making me like kind of nervous about the subject matter, was because I was not sure if I'm a Christian and I don't want to you know be promoting a film on the podcast that's going to have like anti-Christian values, sure. and I was worried that the preacher was. It's so obvious now, <laughs> looking back. But at the time, I was thinking, oh, is he, like, representing Christianity? And she's like, oh, she died because she put her faith in God? But no, it was because she put her faith in a false prophet. Right. Because she saw what she wanted to see in him rather than what he yeah. actually was. And so She was also being swayed heavily, especially by um, Mrs. Spoon. Yeah. Um, the uh, soda shop parlor owner uh, lady. <laughs> Who, who doesn't like, love her husband? Yeah, like you should marry him. Like those kids need a husband. Uh, need a father. Those kids need a husband. Uh, whose kids need a husband? <laughs> those kids need a father figure. And like, she was so easily swayed. And then later on, that character comes back and is like, "Hang him! Yeah, yeah. Murder you him! S- you really see like her true colors, right? Which like, I, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that was just kind of like a one of those weird side characters, whatever. But I'm like, yeah, maybe there's something more no, to no, that. Yeah, you I definitely I mean? think she represents that hypocrisy, right? Like to yeah, to like, that extent. Oh, we love like, him. Yeah. No, we hate him. Yeah, right. Yeah. There's a part where uh, where the preacher he's talking about how his wife ran out on him uh, to Mrs. Spoon, who's just eaten it up. And this is a woman who she's presumably known for years. Yeah. And she just automatically assume, like believes right. this guy because he's dressed like a preacher. Yeah. That he, uh, that, yeah, she just ran off like and left her kids and like, no, you, you would, you would think something was up there. Yeah. Especially when you see the kids like hiding. She's like there in the house yeah. and does not pick up at all on the fact that he's a bad guy. You know, I actually forgot about that scene or what he said in that scene. It's interesting you bring that up. Because... Well, what I was <laughs> just the funny thing was he says she she probably ran off to or I don't remember if this was when he was talking to her or when he's talking to Cooper, but he says something about probably ran off to Cincinnati or one of those other Sodoms of the Ohio River. <laughs> That's a great line. I just love Sodom, Cincinnati, the Sodom of the Ohio River. Cincinnati, <laughs> the evilest place on earth. Anyway, sorry, but come back to Miss right. Spoon. And uh, uh, I think I don't. I'm not a historian, but I think there was a lot of gambling in like whorehouses in Cincinnati oh, at really? the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was a Sodom of the. the I Cincinnati of course only know it as the uh, as the setting of the movie Airborne. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, 
it's interesting you bring that up about that story. Part of me thinks maybe that was true. Right? What? Oh, the about, she... about his wife running off of this his kids. Oh, like that's part of his backstory. Right. Oh, and he yeah. was being actually truthful there. That would kind right? of make sense, yeah. Yeah, like because like, I, I don't know. He doesn't lie too much throughout this movie. Like, and maybe like maybe maybe that really happened, and maybe that's why he has such hatred hmm. and like the vitriol. And then he went broke, and now he's and slaughtering. Just, now him he's just seeing all women in as that evil is, who yeah. take things from him. So if he's going to take things yeah. from them and murder them. Like, that's, that's why he's like, when she is not telling him where the money is, because she doesn't know, yeah. right before he kills her, like, he's so mad at her for, like, betraying him, basically. Yeah. And, uh, ugh, and she's just sitting there. Yeah. She just doesn't even try to not get murdered. Yeah. She's just, yeah. <laughs> she's like, oh, this is going to happen. Preacher's going like, to, oh, men. This and is they're meant nice. to happen and stuff. And yeah, she I was definitely taken in by his, yeah. his, uh, his presence it's the depression so it was the depression that happened people get stabbed but, um but you know it's anyway sorry go on no i, I, I was gonna i was gonna jump to the end of the movie jump just to like i first of all i i think i said it already but the story structure is just super weird hmm. like the idea of having such an important characters not revealed until super late in the movie right um also here's an interesting side note what was the deal with the hangman we yeah s- that was another i think one of those other weird kind of uh if you haven't noticed if you're listening to this podcast there's several points in this movie that are a little a little i would say clunky i don't know i mean you know i can't they worked i can't judge it based on i don't really know what the director's intention right. was so maybe there's just something i'm not missing i'm not there's missing. just i would say there's <laughs> just extra characters and extra and maybe it's because i'm so used to contemporary films but like there was just a lot of fluff that i'm like you could have cut that you could have cut that like I that guess. didn't need to be there it just there, yeah there was a scene where we see the hangman go home after killing the yeah. father and like talk to his wife about wanting to give up the business and right and then at the end he's like he's like the cops are like we got a fresh one for you he's like and i'm happy to do this one he's he's into this one which i feel is really counterintuitive to this because the dad was also a murderer yeah (laughs) like it's not like he was a good guy i mean i guess he was maybe motivated for better reasons right he still killed people (laughs) right but um oh and that's something i forgot to i I think i forgot to bring it up the bookend of when the preacher is getting arrested and john is going don't just like when he was seeing his father oh right yeah that was super weird to me because i was thinking like wait did part of him like love the preacher and actually want him to be his father but i think it was just that he was having that flashback to seeing his dad go to jail and yeah, but it was yeah. it was interesting, and it was kind of a because I don't think he wanted to hurt anybody. He saw all this harm coming simply because he didn't tell anyone where this money was. Yada yada oh, yada, yeah. and yeah. that's when he like started smacking the doll against him. The money like flew out of the doll. Yeah, um, and, and it's everywhere. and he's saying it's too much. It's too much because he had such a burden placed on him yeah. as a little child yeah. to basically be the patriarch and and watch over his sister and and really 
kind of his his reward at the end of the movie is that he is with Cooper and he gets to be a kid again. Right. He doesn't have to be the adult that he was trying to be. And so, you know, well, yeah. like I said, he's really is the main character, but I feel like he's maybe not the most dynamic character. His yeah. motivations are pretty clear the whole way through. And right. he does, you know, he, he kind of get like a sort of a home alone vibe from him a little yeah. bit. <laughs> like, he looks like a young, um, like a young, uh, um, uh, Ryan Gosling, <laughs> like do a I can side, do see a that, side yeah. by side, I'm like it's like, a like whenever they do those Ryan like Gosling. those classic movie like close ups where his face is being lit all yeah. you know perfectly like yeah, yeah. looks like Ryan Gosling for some reason. He's yeah. a yeah. good looking kid, good looking kid, good looking kid. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ryan Gosling, good looking guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, That's what this podcast podcast is divulging into. <laughs> I was talking about how great looking Ryan Gosling is. Yeah. Just I mean, true. crazy, stupid what love. Great looking guy. Uh, the, what was the movie I saw him in? Not too long ago. What was it? You know, I, I started watching La La Land. Couldn't couldn't finish it. No, no. Oh. I got to go back and finish it at some point. I just to me it was like this is supposed to be a musical, but all they're doing is dancing. They're not singing. <laughs> there's well, a scene where dancing. There's, yeah, there's a scene where they're dancing around in space, and I just kept hitting. 30 forward over and over waiting for it to be over it's a jazz musical it's mm. uh yeah it's jazz jazz so the the you scene can probably that find he... that in the Sodom of the Ohio River <laughs> oh well yeah LA right that's the yeah. real Sodom am I right everybody Sodom of the LA everybody River everybody listening to this who might live anywhere near LA <laughs> you know what you're living in sin sin um <laughs> but the scene at the end of the movie Really, just to kind of wrap up that part of it, yeah. Uh, where she's praying yeah. and saying to bless the children and children endure, and I, I don't know. I get. I guess is that sort of the moral is to be all about children enduring, or is that sort of one of those? Hey, we kind of tagged this on because we need like a really we need a solid synthesizing ending. thing to come on at the end. <laughs> part, a majority of me wants to say yeah, definitely. 100%. I re- I read a review that talked about how uh, that maybe a lot of these scenes where she's reading the Bible or where she's being really religious was put in there to kind of balance out to make it to make it clear that this wasn't trying to be like an anti-Christian right. movie. Right. So it was interesting, but I mean, I really like that stuff about it. Maybe it is because yeah. I am a Christian. I like sure. like to see her portrayed in that way. But... Um. No, I I I think. I think, uh, and I think that's something you see a lot in movies from the fifties uh, and, and earlier, is like these like scenes right at the end where it's like, and this is what it all meant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here's literally two seconds of credits, looking into camera and saying, yeah. "Children endure." <laughs> yeah, and not just this movie. There's lots of old mm-hmm. pictures that that do that, and I think that's just maybe it was just a style from the end. Like, oh, we just need like a nice little closing line or yeah. something the moral like, of the story is yeah blah 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 or it's like movies these days they'll, they'll end and it's like throughout the movie you should have just gotten what it was about yeah like they leave it up to you um because obviously this movie was about more than just children and right boring. yeah <laughs> like, it was there was layers to yeah. it yeah um but yeah uh do you like the film i did yeah i i mean you know it sticks with you it's it's certainly took some time to get into you know i was i was nervous about it for 
for a while because I'm not, you know, I'm not like a horror movie guy. Sure. Uh, suspense, like in this case, when it yeah. has a good payoff, I think suspense is, or uh, Blue Velvet, when we watched that one. Right. Like, that's a movie with a lot of suspense, but a good yeah. payoff, I thought. And so, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I wouldn't want, like, little kids to watch it. Right. Yeah, <laughs> but, it's it's definitely, it's, know, definitely it's, it's definitely a... a there's some mature stuff movie. to it. It's not, you know, it's it's the 50s, so it's not going to be right. anything like yeah. what we have today. But but at the same time, like that. But it's kind heavy of, and violent, and 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 like the fact that it's the 50s, like like the the little person on the pony, you know, right. walking on the horizon scene. I mean, that is downright disturbing right. from like a perspective of like that's like my nightmares, you know, yeah. like that's like literally like, I guess that's kind of the point of German expressionism, yeah. but just this like stark landscape. There's like two trees and just an yeah. evil figure coming over the horizon yeah. and it's dreamlike, singing right? his way over to you. And it's yeah. just, yeah, it's, it's dark. It could, it could have, if had I watched it as a younger person, I imagined it would have like really disturbed me. Yeah. But you know, now I'm so jaded by the world. um yeah it's it's definitely it's definitely a wonderful film um yeah i mean like i said at the top of the podcast it's it's definitely a very singular film um like the the director only directed this one 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 film and it's become an enduring classic i do think that i i'll probably watch it again at some point because i feel like it would be something that the like i said there doesn't seem to be like one specific moral that can be like so narrowly like it it, like you said it's a morality play yeah and so it's it's sort of good triumphing over evil but i feel like there's a lot of little lessons maybe kind of sprinkled throughout there that you could glean from it so yeah absolutely it's It's, it's uh, interesting um i'd be interested in reading the novel that's true i guess yeah yeah. there's probably because there's probably it's the themes are probably a lot clearer in yeah. them the, because, you know, there's certain things about novels you can't put, you can't put on, on screen. Right. Yeah. Like characters thoughts, right? Like you can write pages about that, but you can't film that. They have to say something. You have to see something. Right. Um, cause I feel cool. like that, I feel like that character has got a lot of, a lot of subtle traits that are, that are interesting. Um, but yeah, if you like artful and, exciting films um i definitely recommend giving the night of the hunter a a uh, a watch yeah which hopefully if you're listening to this you already have otherwise that would have been very boring for you for the last hour yeah. um so real classy here with ben wrapping it up and uh night of the hunter good movie Fantastic check it out if you haven't which hopefully you have and uh, Ben, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, and also just a, a oh, if, you're, if, you're a frequent, <laughs> if you're a frequent listener of the Real Classic, you should check check about check out Criterion Films. Like I said at the top of the show. Oh yeah, if you're a fan of Real Classic, you should probably watch good movies. Come yeah. on, Ben, really? <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go to a friend's giving now. Okay. Okay. So thank you for being on the podcast. Um, anything you would like to tell our folks about our folks, our listeners, anything you want to have them go check out? You're uh, a photographer. You're a filmmaker. Yeah, I'm a photographer. You should check out my photography website, thebenchase.com. And Instagram, Twitter, Instagram. My Instagram is at benchase86. You can definitely follow me on there and see all my work and links to my stuff. Um, 
But yeah, uh, definitely watch more movies, everybody, and talk about them. I think that's important. I think uh, I think it's it's a kind of a thing for people to go see movies and then leave and then not talk about them. Mm. It's interesting to talk about movies. Yeah, uh, I think it's beneficial for your experience, and it it, it helps you. I think it, I've at least in my experience, it's helped me curate a better taste for movies talking about them. It's like, man, I really like that movie, and then maybe I'll talk it out. It's like. You know, it actually, it was not that good, <laughs> right? Maybe think about it after a while. Like, yeah, people just tend to mindlessly watch films, and I don't, I don't think that's that's, that's yeah, great no, for anybody. I I agree. You should watch what you watch with discernment, and and try to figure out what's being said, and yeah. and uh, what it means, and also you know what you can interpret it that maybe you know is other people didn't get from it. It's always good, um, but you know that you don't. I don't need to tell you that. You people are smart. Uh, and I didn't mean to say you people in like a derogatory way. Um, anyways, what do you mean you people? <laughs> so Ben again, thank you folks. Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's Chris Emerson with three Z's. Uh, and thank you so much for listening. And uh, w- <laughs> once again, wait, how do I end the show? Hold on. And as always, this has been real classy. The sh- oh, shoot. Hang on. <laughs> and signing off, I am Chris Emerson for Real Classy. Where we watch... Oh, shoot. Oh, what is my catchphrase? <laughs> Hang on. I know what it is. <laughs> because old movies... No, wait. Because new movies are only new for a short time. But old movies will only get older. I'm going to leave all that in. (laughs) (laughs) Just for anyone who cares, this is the first episode I've recorded in like almost two years, so it's a little rusty. Oh, tears. Anyway. Oh my gosh. Good night!